0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today, Riki, Sarah, and myself will be talking about The Clone Wars, the end of season two, episodes eighteen through twenty two. All that and more after this commercial break, we have no control over. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm joined, as always, for these episode-by-episode rewatches of The Clone Wars uh, by Riki and Sarah Hayashi. How are you folks doing tonight? Hey, Matthew.
1: We're doing fantastic. We have five whole episodes to talk about, and maybe two of them are interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this isn't a, we're kind of wrapping up the end of Season 2. Um, uh, we are wrapping up Season 2. This is the, the final five. Five is more than we've done, but basically it's two different arcs, and each of the arcs has some I think some very interesting moments and some not so great moments. Um, you know, if nothing else, we finally understand why this season's called The Rise of the Bounty Hunter, because we see one bounty hunter starting to rise and then kind of get pushed back again. But but like he starts to rise at least. So we have something. <laughs> um but yeah, let's start with um following up on our discussion of seven samurai in space. <laughs> um clearly there was a great love of uh 1950s and 60s japanese cinema this season because now we have a godzilla movie in space with the um just to try and hide the topic it's not called godzilla it's called the zillow beast um clearly no one got that reference until the giant monster with a large head of a lizard uh that was awoken by a weapons test uh and then starts climbing buildings to throw a king kong in there um, <laughs> and
1: starts literally, like,
0: Rrr,
1: make, yeah, making exactly. the cry.
0: Um, let me quickly give the, the plot summary, and then let's talk about it. Um, the Republic's newest droid-annihilating proton bomb awakens a monstrous, gargantuan, and near-invincible beast from its underground hibernation. Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker face a dilemma. Do they save the beast as the last of its kind, or do they help the dogs kill it and secure a treaty for critical fuel supplies? Um... They go round and round on this. They find that the Emperor Palpatine wants them to kill the beast. Uh, they don't want to. They want to preserve life, as it's killing lots of life itself. Um, <laughs> they want to ensure that the dogs don't get to kill it after they have woken up it and let it start killing the dogs. Um, and then we move into the second episode. And at the end of the first episode, they find a way to put it to sleep. And so the dogs believe that it's been killed. And their hope is that it's now going to be transported to another planet. Instead, however, we find out it's being transported to, dun-dun-dun, Coruscant, for more study. (laughs) The Um,
1: the most uh, densely populated planet in the galaxy is where you want to take your giant monster.
2: Yeah, and so then we transition out of Godzilla and into King Kong.
0: Yeah, so the beast is brought home. Um, It's brought to Coruscant in hopes of learning the secret of some impenetrable armor. But it, in a total shock and surprise (laughs) that no one would have ever guessed, breaks free. Um, we've numerous times heard it referred to as not intelligent, but clearly it recognizes that Emperor Palpatine is the one who wants it dead and is like attacking pictures of Palpatine hanging in the city and stuff like that. And then
1: Um, knows which building to go to.
0: Yes. (laughs) can read a map. Um, and so as the clones prepare to kill it with poison gas, the Jedi are again trapped in a moral conflict between the value of its life and that of the planet civilian populace um palpatine actually seems to have really miscalculated because he gets very close to being killed himself but of course the jedi save the day and they kill it and then in the very last episode very last moment of the episode um we find out that emperor palpatine has decided to make lemonade from lemons uh because he has told the scientist who's been in charge of all this thing that he wants to clone the beast so which never yeah which
2: is like the last we hear of it right like we never get back to
0: that
1: spoilers Uh,
0: yeah, um, that that's that's certainly true. Um, <laughs> so, what, what's your take on uh, Godzilla in space?
2: Yeah, it's Godzilla in space. It's I think like Mace Window at like peak dickiness um, through most of the episode. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Mace becomes important after this in the in the Boba Fett arc. So, I think they had to kind of set him up as as more than just a guy at the council who. Who talks occasionally mm.
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which, which is interesting because i always wonder like why you know why are we getting these jedis paired up like why isn't ahsoka here why isn't this obi-wan right
0: yeah,
1: so we get mace and apparently he's not a very good diplomat because when they first discover the beast or, or when they first excavate the hole mace is like all right Anakin, you stay here and negotiate this treaty while i go on this adventure with the clones Right. So Anakin has higher diplomacy than Mace apparently. Yeah.
0: That, <sighs> I, I I do like him in this in these episodes, but it does make me wonder like when they make these decisions, how much of it is because these are the characters they thought would be best? How much of it's because they just haven't used this character enough and so they want to? How much of it's because this is the actor they could get? without a conflict that particular week Hmm. um you know like there's just so many of these questions that you wonder about um i i'm guessing you you guys were not big fans of these episodes it's complicated
2: yeah they definitely weren't my favorite this season but we've had significantly worse episodes
0: yeah
1: i I, I, i see all the callbacks so like the the tanks, I guess that they used, put the beast to sleep that have like the radio antenna uh-huh. uh, cannons that's to me like that's definitely a callback to the the Gojira movies, which yeah. often feature these types of weapons mm-hmm. because you have to have electric cannon shooting things instead of just like regular tanks, I guess. It, it it adds it adds like a sci-fi element to it like even these like slightly futuristic weapons can't defeat this monster right and so i i think that was a deliberate reference to that canon mm-hmm. but it, it's just i don't know it's not interesting in the same way yeah. that those movies ultimately aren't interesting they're just like fun to watch
0: hmm. yeah i i found there was a number of like plot elements in these movies that i found really fascinating in these episodes but the overall story of like will they or won't they like stop the beast i i I just i think it's hard to kind of build drama around that um especially because they do the thing that a lot of a a lot of times i think happens in like monster movies that i always don't like which is they tell you that the beast is almost entirely invulnerable and then the way that our heroes beat it doesn't actually seem that interesting or new Mm -hmm. um Like, at one point they say, I think Anakin says that he's discovered that, like, there's a way to, like, get under the scales with an energy weapon and thus, like, stun it if you can just get under the scales. And so I'm imagining, okay, that means you're going to have people, like, hopping on the back of it, trying to, like, lift up its scales and fire under it. Instead, it's, nope, just fire a bunch of energy weapons at the thing and, I guess, hope you hit in a way that would not make any sense. So, yeah, I, I... I think that that didn't work, but i but I did like some parts of it um and one of the first things I caught on and i i'm what did you guys think of the way the um the dugs were handled in this and sort of their attitude of we want to kill it, this thing has destroyed us for for generations um we thought it was dead. we think this is a like a existential threat to our our society and our people and and the jedi basically saying like no, you can't do that uh what what was your take on on how that all played out?
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think this is Mace Window at, like, peak dickishness. Um, yeah. Like, the, the, the Zillow Beasts were, like, the, the a big life form on this planet and then were, were killed out, were do- or they thought they had killed them all, but clearly there was, like, one still chilling underground for who knows how long. Um, and But yeah, Mace is very, like, it's intelligent and we must protect it at all costs. And they're like, we are also intelligent and yeah. it's killing us. <laughs> Like very effectively. So it's just, like, a weird... Uh, the sort of, like, myopic approach that Anakin usually has, where it's like, yeah, but this one is my friend, so I don't care yeah. how many of the nameless clones, citizens of this planet, w- whatever, die, because I want to save the one thing that I, that I like. Yeah. While
1: we were watching it, I mentioned it felt like a very Star Trek morality of, like, the prime directive applies to whatever we want it to apply
2: to.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it felt very colonial to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, the aspect of, like, we, the superpower, have come to your world, <clears throat> we're testing out a weapon that we think doesn't have any consequences on your world, and we <laughs> have found out that it now will cause a horrific, total damaging thing that you are terrified of consequence on your world, but then we're going to tell you not to try and fix it. Like, it just all seemed very... The, the Doug seemed like they were played to be sinister in ways that didn't really make sense like at mm. one point when when they um the jedi proposed that they take the beast off their planet and they're like no we have to kill it instead that didn't make any sense it's off your planet what do you care anymore at that point yeah but but yeah like i i kind of felt like the dugs had a point for a lot of this like it it just felt very sort of like outsider colonialist like we're going to tell you what to do
2: yeah and like what what gives you the authority like who put you in charge here And I mean, like, I guess the Jedi do occupy this sort of nebulous, like, are they in in charge of every Republican colony across the whole galaxy? Like, what's the deal? Right. right, Yeah, but it is. I I totally agree with what you're saying, Matthew.
1: It's a missed opportunity um, in that they used the Dugs in the first place, but then played them kind of like very one note, because previously the one... Doug we have encountered in this universe is Saboba, the yeah. uh, pod race the pod racer pilot yeah. who is like the big shot and is just like a huge d-bag to Anakin <laughs> yeah so like that's who we met and we're like this this Doug is terrible not all Doug's but then it turns out like <laughs> this race is like eh. and it, it reminds me of just like the way in Star Trek, like all Klingons care about honor.
0: All Vulcans
1: Mm -hmm. are logical. Like all people of one race have to be the same.
0: I I think you're right. And it's something that they seem to go across the board with, you know, every planet only has one, you know, the species only sort of has one emotional mindset. The planet only has one climate. You know, they're always Mm -hmm. either the desert planet, the swamp planet, the cold planet, whatever it is. Um, And yeah, you don't get much room for uh uh disagreement, and I, I think to me that's especially disappointing because we don't always see that. You know the um, the race that we originally get introduced to as uh, Guido's people, the um, uh the Rohar, Roharans, Ro- oh, Rodians, Rodians, Rod- Rodians. <clears throat> Rodians. Thank you. Um, you know their their people are very different than than we met them in A New Hope. Um, but but yeah, sometimes they definitely just are like nope, dogs. They're they're kind of the bad ones. Um, and I, I think also, it
1: also plays into the inhumanness of them because the dugs yep walk on their front legs or hands yeah like their arms yeah. are their
2: legs and then their legs are their arms yeah. kind of situation so right. so
1: they are very <clears throat> inhumanoid
0: mhm yeah they look weird they look not civilized um there's one piece about the dogs and about the whole way that story is told that I did really like, and I, I don't know if this was intentional or if they kind of stumbled into social commentary here, um, but, you know, in the in world history, certainly in the United States, but in other cases as well, two things that we often see are, one, the way warfare can become kind of a, like a self-fulfilling prophecy of we need to get more resources in order to fight this war, and so now we're going to fight a war to get more resources, and now we need to keep fighting the war to get those resources, mm. Um and so, uh, you know, you saw that uh, a hundred times with the Americans. You saw that with the the Japanese before World War II. You've seen that with, like, Russia. Um, I mean, it's definitely a trend that you see. And and so I was really struck by that when they were having um, Anakin and I think uh, Palpatine say, you know, we – no, actually, I'm sorry, it was the narrator who specifically says, you know, they need the fuel in order to fuel their armies to keep fighting. So it's now we're fighting so we can keep fighting. Um and, and the other thing that also I think often goes hand in parcel, uh, the thing that often goes hand in glove with that is that we wind up making alliances with not great people in order to keep access to their resources, you know. And so throughout the Cold War, the U.S. worked with dictators in places like Indonesia or South America or places like that where we worked with pretty much fascists because they could give us the resources that we thought we needed for the Cold War. Um, I don't know if that's in any way intentional, but definitely this story brought out both of those things, and I I liked that in showing that like we're seeing the things that the Republic is doing in order to fight this war that are not really in line with the Republic ideals.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. (laughs) I I don't know. We it's interesting. We've been watching The Crown. Mm, and that's a good show. there are several episodes where a royal goes to some other country or or a I guess at that point a colony mm-hmm. of the British Empire, uh, that has since declared independence, and they give these speeches that are just so cringy about, you know, the native the savage natives and how we came and we saved them, and it's
2: hmm Yeah. Very yikes. <laughs> and a lot
1: of the
0: interactions here,
1: yeah, I think you're right, remind
0: me of that of like we're just going to
1: take advantage of these people because we really
0: need this fuel, mm-hmm. right? We we need the resource that they give us, whether it's <clears throat> rubber, or oil, or, or whatever it is. Um,
1: missed opportunity with this episode, I thought. Um, the planet Malastare is mentioned previously in this season as the planet where um, Admiral Yularen was defeated by Admiral Trench. That oh, was like their right. previous yeah. encounter. So, like having Yularen come and help them pick up the zillow beast at the end and just kind of mentioning like ah like i haven't been back here since i I lost a trench or whatever yeah some kind of reference just tie-ins like that like when you have this rich universe and these planets and places just using them in that way i think is is nice for callbacks and to tie things together
0: well especially because i thought um the the aliens that have three eyes on eye stalks, who we first met in A New Hope, and who we then saw in um, the Clone Yikes. War movies, because I, I think they're the ones who actually um, second the motion for a um, uh, the investigation into the the charges against the Trade Federation. Why I remember that particular detail, I have no idea. <laughs> but I but I feel like that they specifically say like we'll now hear from the representative from Malastar, um, hmm. and am i wrong there is that am i getting my planets mixed up i don't know i'm
2: like i'm frantically looking this up because i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) like when
1: you say three eyes on eye stalks it makes me think of the Ethorians. i think is what they're called but i I don't thought
0: the Ethorians were the hammerhead ones oh Um.
1: yeah okay so they're similar but you're right i think they are different
0: Okay. Yeah, we're we're right now getting um a lot of uh and I like more listener feedback. I'm sure we have a lot of people currently yelling at their um, <laughs> podcast playing devices. Look, uh, I
1: didn't grand. have this figure the grand.
2: Either. Okay, yeah. When you said eye stocks, I was picturing more like like the one monster from Monsters Inc. who's got the shifty eyes. But yeah, yeah, I see. I I see what you're saying. Okay, and it does Is say it from they're Malistar? from the
0: planets Kenyon and Malastar.
2: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, Congress of Malastar. Malastare.
1: There's, like, a lot of this multiple races on the same planet deal.
2: And, I mean, I kind of like that. So, like, earlier we were just talking about how, like, a lot of the planets have, like, the samey environments. And, like, we get the forest moon of Endor. And I can believe that a moon has, like, one environment, sure. But, yeah, having, like, entire planets, I guess, like, maybe Earth is pretty unusual in that we've got such different climates in different places, but I, when they get it right, I, I really like it. Like, yeah. we were talking about um, Rebels a little while ago, and there's, uh, they go to, at some point in Rebels, they go to Kessel, and you get to see like, very different environments on Kessel, which I think is is really cool. And also, even like, if we just think of the Twilight people, they come in like, a whole variety of different like skin colors, eye colors, different mm-hmm. Like, different accents I, yeah exactly <laughs> and well, some of that what do you be mean? like actor differentiation but some of it could be like different regions right so i think it adds a, another layer to it yeah but yeah when you do get a planet where it's like the entire species all looks the same and all acts exactly one way it's a little yeah frustrating
0: um so the, the last thing i wanted to ask about this this uh um plotline was what do you think about palpatine's actions in this it it is i mean obviously like he's he's looking for power he's looking to cause more trouble but i'm he comes very close it seems to being killed and he certainly seems like he had he did not for a minute think that this beast was going to get loose uh was this all i mean but so much of this has always been that everything is planned out everything is going as i for for, as i have foreseen it etc do we think that this is palp's overstepping a bit and making a mistake or did did, is this just one more part of his plan
2: well i don't i mean i'm trying to stretch my hold my suspension of disbelief as much as i can in regards to what all palpatine has orchestrated but like i don't everything everything, i don't like how did he know that this beast was there and that the weapon they're testing which basically turns off droids is going to wake it up Mm -hmm. so like if you didn't know the beast was there, it would have been, like, some quick thinking of, like, oh, cool, it's impenetrable. Let's bring it back to Coruscant so I can make armor. This will be handy. <clears throat> um, and, yeah, not the, like, 30-year-long game that he's used to. Right. So I could see him maybe making some missteps there.
0: Yeah, I, I like the idea that he made a misstep here. That maybe he was a little bit overly confident in his ability to sort of control everything.
1: I wish he had used his force abilities to save himself Mm. and kind of like, oh, like, did anyone see? Ooh, that
0: would have been good. That would have been so cool, I thought that's
1: what was going to happen.
0: I think that would have been great because, you know, in the movies at least, there's the idea that there might be some people in the audience, and I never thought this was true, but I've heard there were some, who, because they had very little contact with the original movies didn't honestly realize that Palpatine was Darth Sidious until some point in the second or third movies. um, And so I get why in the movies they wouldn't want to show it, but by the time the show has come out, the third movie's always come and gone. We in the audience know that Palpatine is Darth Sidious. So yeah, it would have been great to watch him like secretly have to use his Force powers and then be like, oh shit, did I get caught? No, okay, we're good, we're good.
2: Well, And even like in the show, they're not really hiding the fact that Palpatine is Sidious that well like I don't think they don't explicitly come out and and say it at least not in these first two seasons but
0: I mean it's
2: not it's kind of like an open secret so having him use force powers without again explicitly saying he's Darth Sidious mm -hmm. would have been fine and just like a nice little like nod and like yeah hint in that direction
1: I yeah. think there are, like, later on in the series, there are scenes where he just calls up Dooku from the Chancellor's office and just, like, code switches his voice.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's definitely true. Well,
2: is his voice even different? Doesn't he just, like, put on a hoodie? Isn't that his...
0: He goes lower. He's a little gravelier? Okay. Yeah.
1: He, he's much, like, as Palpatine, he's much a higher tone, more regal, and then as Sidious, he, like, puts on his... Spin. <laughs> I'm even
0: Right. Yeah, okay. but
1: yeah it's like it's the scene from batman the animated series where he's like in the batman suit but he gets a call from commissioner gordon so for bruce wayne or yeah. something like that and he like <laughs> changes so he's like talking in the bruce wayne voice as batman it's just it's,
0: yeah, it's cool good. It's good yeah no i liked moments like that it would have been nice to see mm-hmm. some of that all right anything more on Le beast de zillow or can we move on to uh the boba arc
2: uh Yeah, let's move on to the the Boba I, arc. I, I, or I just want
1: arc? to say, I'm like, what? Why? Why would they be like? I want you to clone the beast and then yeah. never come back to it. That's
2: it's
0: it's know. super weird. I I think it's one more of these situations that we see of um, you know, and, and part of this I think is the writing itself, but part of it's also when it was written. We are now so used to the idea that when someone starts writing Episode One. They've already plotted out at least the first season, if not the whole arc. Um, When this was being written, it was pretty common for TV shows to have no idea what was going to happen next season. And I think there's probably... This is, I think, the most glaring. But there's probably a couple of these things where they kind of left themselves a story hook. With the idea of maybe we'll go back and write that at some point. And sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. And... um. Yeah, it's 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 kind of annoying because it would have been nice to see where they went with it, yeah. but but also like what where would you go with it story wise? Because um, at the end of the day, doesn't it just become another big monster fight?
2: Yeah, and if you do have like the cloning to get that technology, like clearly, cities doesn't have that technology, right? Because we would have right. seen it in A New Hope and onward. So it's like, yeah. But, I mean, even just like like oh yeah, remember when we tried to clone that Zilla beast? That didn't work. Moving on, I don't know, but they have cloning technology. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird setup that leaves you in this like cliffhangery place of like oh he's gonna clone it, but then yeah, yeah nothing happens.
0: Um, we've yeah. we've mentioned before, especially um uh Riki, you've brought up the Timothy Zahn books, which were some of like the, I think, I think the first of the, the novels printed, certainly of the ones printed after Return of the Jedi came out. No, um,
1: the, I think the courtship of Princess
0: Leia might have been first. Uh, oh, maybe. Hey, I'm, I'm thinking of the heir to the empire trilogy, which maybe you're right. Wasn't first, um, but certainly was, was out there. And one of the things that it popul- postulated was that, um, and this was granted when the clone wars was very different, but that clones couldn't really function effectively Unless they had um, a Jedi who was involved in their cloning process, because to basically like give them like sort of the the essence of life, or there's something about like the mental makeup of clones that doesn't quite work unless you have uh, their connect because they're because they're clones, their connection to the Force isn't quite. I don't remember the exact details, but like
1: yeah, the hmm. the clones in the legends are much more unstable, and the concept of the Clone Wars in that. Setting is more about fighting against the
0: clones,
1: I believe like the, right. the clones and the uh the clone masters I believe they're called kind of go crazy yeah. and like fight against the galaxy,
0: yeah, which is sort of what I, certainly what I took from the original movies but the, the the idea the point here being that they established in those books at least that cloning comes at a great cost, and cloning yeah. is a difficult thing, and that's why most people haven't done cloning since then um and you're right, it's kind of a frustration of this is. There's really no reason why people don't clone anymore. Um, so, yeah, that's that, that part's definitely unfortunate. Um, anyway, so let's move on to the tale of Boba Fett. Um, yeah. So, and it's a three-part arc. It starts with Death Trap, um, in which we start out by getting, um, well, first of all, Mace and Anakin are on vacation, which is going to involve <laughs> training young kids, which does not sound like much of a vacation to me, but fair enough. Um, and, and so we start out with a bunch of clones, uh, sorry, young clones, like they're like 10, 11, 12, who are all sort of like being put through their paces. And this is kind of like a a field trip as part of their training, as far as I can tell. And one of them seems like he's super well-trained, but he's also, um, a little bit rebellious. And we find out halfway through the episode that this is actually Boba Fett, the son of Jango Fett, who watched his father have his head cut off by Mace Windu, um, So he infiltrates the Republic cruiser and he joins a group of clones uh, and he has the intention of assassinating Mace Windu for killing his father, Jango Fett. Um, And then um, the second episode in it is called R2 Come Home, which is one of the most um, uh, red herrings of a name. Um, And it's Anakin Skywalker and Mace Windu are trapped in the crumbling ruins of a crashed ship while looking for survivors. This is all because of... um, Boba Fett's like attempt to take over we find out he's working with other uh bounty hunters um uh and uh they're looking for the survivors and only R2 can get a message out to save them if he can if he can elude vicious gun darks and worse yet a crew of determined bounty hunters lame uh led by Boba Fett and Aura Singh um and then we get to the third episode which is lethal trackdown while Anakin and Mace Windu recover from their injuries Plo Koon and Ahsoka track down Boba Fett from the underworld of Coruscant to the desert planet of Florum. Boba's revenge scheme finally leads to a climactic battle, and the life of a Republic admiral hangs in the balance. So, we had um uh, quite a little arc here. Uh, what would you think of the uh, return of uh, Baby Fett? <laughs> it's a little weird. I've,
1: I've always felt that the Boba Fett prequel arc was strange, and... I guess it's because it was never supposed to be a thing until it mm-hmm. became a thing. Like Boba Fett was just a throwaway character, and then became one of the most popular characters with four lines across two movies.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think so, it's a part like I think his toy was like one of the ones that sold the most, or something like that. Like it was a very. Um...
1: Oh yeah, well it had a spring-loaded rocket that that shot out.
0: Yes, that sounds but right. Didn't
2: that not? It was supposed to have a spring-loaded rocket that shot out, but the actual ones that went out for production didn't, because the rocket was so small that it was like a choking hazard. Oh, maybe. So, like, the spring-loaded ones are only for well, prototypes. Well, that's, that's the rare one. Yeah, yeah. Item. So, the ones that actually went out, like, didn't have this rocket launcher, but it was something that was supposed to be available for Christmas, and then people... Yeah. Like, you you, you bought a voucher instead of buying the toys, because the toys weren't ready fast enough.
1: Yes. We yeah. watched the toys that
2: made us. <laughs> we watched a documentary about this. Um, but yeah, yeah. Boba Fett was shockingly popular for it. Like, yeah, like you said, four lines of dialogue. I remember we were in some store that had Star Wars merch and there was a Boba Fett toy and it advertised like with seven sounds. And we were just like, what? This dude has four lines. So it was four lines and then three like blaster noises. Yeah. Yeah. His sound effects.
0: <laughs> and I think, um I think Aura Sing... Is actually, and this may be intentional. Is kind of the same thing, isn't she? Oh, like yeah. she appeared, she like appeared with no lines in Phantom Menace, and then all of a sudden took off as she, a fan favorite.
1: She's standing like on a ridge during the pod race, like holding her tall rifle. Doesn't right. say anything; it's just standing there. Um, the Phantom Menace card game that came out after the movie,
0: uh-huh.
1: she was like super powerful in that. And there's like the backstory explained on the card is like, she's the fearsome, most fearsome bounty hunter in the galaxy. So people are like, oh my God, she's the the Boba Fett of the prequels. (laughs) And, you know, nothing happened with her in the movies. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Like both of these characters are, occupy the same space (laughs) of mythical bounty hunter that we know little about. Um, So now we have to find out more about Boba Fett and how he becomes the the most fearsome (laughs) bounty hunter.
0: Yeah, which, somehow, which it does feel to me like he took kind of a step backwards, though, because in the second movie, the only movie we see him in, um, his father is trying to kill Obi-Wan and Boba is quite happily a little sociopath, you know, happily like cheering on <laughs> his father like you go kill get him, him dad, dad. Um, you know, and so but in this one, he clearly is still in that like, I haven't quite become fully evil yet. You know, he's not willing to kill a prisoner uh sing has to like push him somewhat and like there's a moment where he almost like turns back to the good because he like maybe like did that all just strike you as wrong i sort of felt like that this ship has sailed with this character we have seen this character be be worse than this and that was before he watched his father get his head chopped off
2: well i think this is this is the power of friendship matthew um (laughs) because like yeah he was a psychopath as you say but then, like, now he's in with all these young clones who, even though he's not a clone, he looks a lot like these clones of his dad when his dad was young, right? And they're doing their, like, group bonding activities. As you say, they've they've gone on a field trip together. He's learned to work as a team. So I think, like, that, like, I can reasonably believe that that might have softened him a bit and maybe he doesn't want to blow up mm-hmm. his new friends. Sure.
1: There's also... Where he has to like knock out a clone trooper to to take his rifle on his radio or something like that, right? And the the trooper is like, "What are you doing? Like, We're brothers." And, yeah. and he, he, he 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 stuns him, but he says some, some stuff like, "I'm not your brother," but also is conflicted because this man looks like his father,
0: right? And he does stun him. He doesn't, and he says something like, "Don't." There's some some element of like, "Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you," and then he, he stuns yeah. him. Um, well,
1: also, that reminds me that scene takes place in like the the hyperdrive chamber none of these hyperdrive chambers on shifts have (laughs) handrails it always bothers me so like there's these walkways and it goes back to obi-wan on the death star right when Uh he's trying to turn off the the tractor beam there's no there's no handrails and if you fall off the walkway it's like a hundred feet down to who knows what yeah and it's like maybe it's a very dangerous ride. like a meter right.
2: wide walkway
1: i don't understand like how these <laughs> the safety standards on these ships that allow this
0: listen both the republic and the empire osha is really bad yeah. Um, <laughs> like yeah I, I i can definitely understand those concerns to be sure it's like the scene in the jj Abrams
1: star trek when the artificial gravity goes out and like kirk and Chekhov are like spinning around as the uh-huh. ship, like, turns over and over. And, and it's just, like, very dangerous. It's like, yeah. this is a spaceship. Artificial gravity might go out. Maybe the ship should not be designed in a way when it does. Like, you just fall to your doom. <laughs> you,
0: you've you seen the movie... um, Okay, I can't remember the name of it now. Um, What's... Uh, oh, let me try that again. You've seen the movie Galaxy Quest, right? No. I haven't. No. Okay, you guys need to see it. Uh, Galaxy Quest is... The most loving parody send up of Star Trek that I could ever imagine, Um, especially because it is like constantly making fun of, but also the heroes wind up being the Star Trek fandom. Um, Like it, it is brilliant. Uh, I definitely recommend it to anyone who likes Star Trek. But one of the best parts of it is that there's a scene where basically like the characters are talking about how there's like that the design of the ship makes absolutely no sense. That, that it's oh, yeah. just done to, like, build tension and drama as you're trying to move through difficult parts of the ship in ways that just, for basic <laughs> ship design, make no sense whatsoever. Oh, which yeah. well, which
1: there's... do you think is a bigger pet peeve of mine, Sarah? The no handrails in the hyperdrive chamber, or the most sensitive part of the ship, the bridge, being on top with windows?
2: <laughs> she hears me
1: complain about these things every time they come up.
2: Constantly. Almost as much as I complain about the the... 3 of space not yeah. being recognized. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like the no handrails on the bridge make significantly less sense than the bridge on top of the ship because the bridge on top of the ship is like, we're borrowing architecture and design from water ships,
0: right they had, <laughs> the, they had to
1: see over the waves yeah yeah. that's why the bridge is on the top
2: and like we'll put some windows up there because i don't know maybe you'll see some cool planets and, and stuff just in Who case knows? the cameras go out <laughs> yeah but i mean especially especially like, going back to star trek having the bridge be on like the piece that detaches and then having the battle bridge be like a separate location you have to get to is really dumb just make your bridge the battle bridge the end um yeah but, yeah, I think, like, like the no handrails is just mind-bogglingly bad. Like, how many people fall to their death there? It's <laughs> just like, like an
1: engineer <laughs> trips, like, oh! Right?
2: And you can't even have, like, two people walking across this thing at the same time. It's just, it's really weird. Same with the, like, all the, um, like, ventilation tubes being, like... Oh, huge.
1: big enough to crawl through. Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't even <laughs> guess that it's plot device. I don't even know. Like, is the no handrails plot device just put in like a single railing, and then someone can easily yeah. flip over I, top of it? But like,
1: I ah. think it's all again all because there were no handrails in a New Hope.
0: When <laughs> so old, established yeah, the no handrails. Like that's
1: what they look like. Yeah. Well,
0: I, I think there's definitely things like that where they A New Hope, and that might in part because like, you know, they didn't have the imagination, or they didn't have the budget, or um. I mean, one thing I'm always fascinated by is how with any science fiction, you're always limited by, you know, what people of the time thought would be possible. So, for example, like in the original Star Trek, they thought that you would have supercomputers that could control planets and you could talk to and would have personalities, but their screens would still be monochromatic Mm. because that's all people knew at the time. Um, VGA had not been invented yet. This this
1: actually (laughs) reminds me. The Battlestar Galactica reboot TV series uh-huh. started off as just like a movie, right? Right. It was, was the pilot. And when they were filming that, they had like paper oh, yeah. and they cut it hexagonally yeah. or like maybe octagon. Like they cut the corners off so that instead of like corners on the piece of paper, they were like flat edges.
2: It's like a stretched out octagon. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and they just did it like to be stylistic and like, oh, like it looks cool. And then every time they showed like paper or books, they had to cut it in the same way. They're like, why did we do this? It's yeah.
2: also so like silly. Like, why <laughs> would you ever make paper like that? We, saw, I worked at a comic book store for quite a while and we sold the Battlestar Galactica like notepads that oh. had the corners cut off. It's oh, God. Just silly. But yeah. Anyway, even, we... anyway.
0: yeah, let's pull us, pull us back a little bit from tangent land here. <laughs> well oh, i had more boba stuff fett. to talk about in tangent land boba mean, fett where? <laughs> where great quote yeah so but about these episodes
2: <laughs> yeah uh i mean it's what we're we're three episodes away from the end of season two rise of the bounty hunters <laughs> and we see a bounty hunter rising like yeah. he snuck well, i told in you there were the seven wire.
1: episodes There's the three um, Cad Bane episodes. Sure, at the very beginning. The literal episode, Bounty Hunters, where they defend the village. Mm -hmm. And then the three Boba Fett episodes.
0: And I did like that we get Hondo here. And then Hondo again. It is to me a very (gasps) Hondo episode because they show up and it seems like Hondo is working for the Bounty Hunters. And at first I'm like, really? Would you be? But then it becomes very clear that, no, they just showed up. And Hondo is, he sort of, he thinks this is all a bridge too far. Not because he has some moral compunction against it, just because he's not quite stupid enough to piss off the Jedi this much. Um, <laughs> and so I like that when the Jedi show up, he's like, nope, nope, not my circus, not my monkeys. They just showed up. I'm not part of this. I'll help you. Like, Yeah, well, like
2: no, he, instantaneously, right?
1: He's, he's not into it because there's no profit, right? That's like yeah. the kind of Ferengi aspect of him. Yeah, it's this like, is what's for- What's the point for, of this? Like revenge? This Come is on. for
0: justice That's and so. revenge and for the other bounty hunters to show off. Um Yeah. <clears throat> I mean they they think they're gonna get a ton of money from uh Count Dooku, but that's about all. Yeah. Well he's already
1: dealt with Dooku, so he knows he's not getting paid.
0: <laughs> which which I, I yeah, actually that's a really good point. It it does bring me to I wouldn't even say my other complaint about the series of episodes, because this is such a common trope in these kind of stories, even though I find it so dumb. Um if someone were to just randomly like kill my father, I'd be super mad at that person. Mm-hmm. If sure. someone were to like you know break into his house or be like think he had done a terrible like if he like killed my father for like that kind of reason I'm all, I don't know if I'm a revenge type guy but I'd certainly be thinking about it. If my father's a warrior and I'm proud of the fact that my father's a warrior and I watch my father in battle kill numerous people and then get killed by another warrior, I I don't see where that leads to a revenge quest even though that becomes. Such a trope in these movies and TV shows, Um, but it's never quite worked for me. It's sort of like you know, like Mace didn't decide, like, say again, yeah, that's what he signed up for. What he signed up for, yeah. Mace didn't decide he he hated Jango Fett. He just he fought him fair and square and he killed him. Um, I think it's
1: more kind of a matter of familial honor, because so the Mandalorians are supposed to be renowned as jedi killers right, right? at least in, in the canon like they had wars in the past and all a lot of this armor and the weaponry of the armor is designed to counteract jedi yep. so as kind of a scion of that like i think jango fett had a lot of pride and you know he kind of fights obi-wan to a standstill slash defeats him you know doesn't right. kill him but then is is killed by mace so there's this sense of like oh like he was supposed to be the best he was supposed to be the jedi killer and he lost to one so i think yeah i think i think part of it is yeah you killed my dad but part of it is like restoring Django's honor
0: and that would make sense if we'd gotten some of that in the actual canon Um, i'm sure there's a book yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i i kind of I kind of know that. I know you know it better than I, and, and Jonah Kelman probably can, you know, know r- rings around both of us in terms of our knowledge. And you're know, like, right, that version of it makes total sense. I just wish we'd gotten... He just had to say one line of, you know, like, you know, my father died a proud Mandalorian, and the way is for me to avenge his death. You know, like, yeah. anything like that. i um, just
2: like, I'm mad at you for killing my dad. S- speaking of
1: one line. So at the end of this, Boba loses, mm-hmm. and he's captured, and he's, like, taken away to prison. And on his way there, he runs into Mace. And he, like, apologizes to Mace. He's like, I'll never forgive you, but I see now that, like, what I was doing was wrong. Right? So yeah. he, like, admits fault, says, I'm still mad at you because you killed my dad. And then Mace just, like, wrecks him.
2: Yeah. is a huge, huge jerk. And I
1: felt like that was a moment where you could have mended this and prevented him from rising ...to become Boba Fett.
2: But I think that's the problem, right? Like,
1: That Mace is an ass?
2: Well, yeah, that Mace is an ass. But also, like, he does rise to become Boba Fett. So you can't really write something in that's going to prevent that, right? Right. but To have Mace just be, like, a huge dickbag to him is kind of like, okay, and now we see why Boba...
1: But he still goes to prison. So you could still have the, yeah, like, prison is where you learn how to become a criminal... Sure. Right Type because thing. that's the
0: thing is like the Boba Fett we see as an adult is not someone who hates the Jedi. Like I don't see him as like driven by passion and emotion. I he's 100% just a mercenary. Yeah, like, he's
2: driven by.
1: And the, and there's actually um I think there's some tales of Boba Fett having a morality. Like he's supposed to be like one of the more moral bounty hunters in some storylines, I think.
0: Right. Now, what's interesting though on all this, because I, I, um, there's another quote I want to talk about. About because I, I, th- I think certainly Mace is a huge dick, but I think mm-hmm. it kind of helped I, – I like that plot line because like, it helps to show like just how you know fucked up uh, Mace. I, I, I think it goes to show just how screwed up Mace and the Jedi are. Like they're so lost yeah, in their guess. hubris and their pride. Um, but there's also a line, and I want to talk more about that in a second. But there's a line where um, Hondo says. Tell the Jedi what he wants to know, Boba. And Boba Fett is shouting, "Why should I help anybody? I've got no one." And Hondo says, "It's the honorable thing to do. It's what your father would have wanted." Mm. What?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> Again, if that's a Mandalorian honor thing, sure, but we have had no indication of that whatsoever. It didn't make much sense,
1: but I thought it made sense for Hondo to play him that way. Mm-hmm. That's it, fair, it seemed a that's very fair. Hondo.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, do we even um, know that Hondo knew Django Fad? It probably did. Probably? Hondo knows, Hondo knows everybody. everybody. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay.
1: Let, we have to mention that Hondo and Aura Singh were a couple.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> what? Yeah. For reasons I that, don't That
1: That is mentioned. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's like the prequel we need to this.
0: Yeah. Well, because she, like, as we have found, it, it's okay if you're a good person, if you're on the good guy's side, a good woman. But. If you are a female antagonist, no matter how badass you are, your sexuality has to be part of you. You cannot be uh, a female antagonist in this world without being a vamp. Like hmm. that's just th- there has to be a little bit of femme fatale, and hmm. it's just obnoxious that they keep going back to that.
2: I didn't even think it was like sexy or a thing, though. It was just like a weird, like oh my ex, and you're like like a strange, almost sitcommy plotline mm-hmm. that's just sort of thrown in there and there's not really any payoff for it I, I just, just like i think it's, it's more than to run into each other
0: i think it's more though that like she's been very flirtatious in others in other scenes mm-hmm. and so and and now we just further establish like yes yeah, she's a person with a sexuality and who has relationships and who dates you know it's just kind of like further underlining that idea yeah
2: um, which i mean like dating honda in and of itself isn't necessarily bad in any way shape or form right like mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I get I get what you're
0: saying. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying I think that's why you're asking why did they have to throw it in? I think that's why they did Just to
2: point it out. Yeah, yeah.
0: the the other really dumb line I wanted to comment on not even dumb actually because I, I I think it's actually very good in terms of the like showing just how much the Jedi are falling. Um, Boba Fett is pointing a blaster at Plo Koon and he's explaining why he wants to do what he said what he wants to do, and he says, "I'm not a murderer, but I want justice," and Plo Koon. Showing the uh, humbleness and the humility and the understanding of their position that the Jedi show says we are justice. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I yeah. roll. I roll. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I didn't. eye roll. I I got chills. Like to me, I was like, oh yeah, okay. This this is why the Jedi fall. This is what's. This is the hypocrisy that Anakin uh, sees. Mm. Um, you you thought it was kind of just silly and over the top.
2: Well, it seemed very like. I am the knight. Um, <laughs> right? Like, they're. But I, I mean, I get oh, what you're Bob saying. Should in should Batman. <laughs> Both should become Batman. Who, <laughs> how many people have you said should become Batman today? I don't um, know. A couple. Anyway. We oh, need more Batman. So, no, we don't. We're watching The Batman, Crown. But... He thinks Prince Philip should be Batman. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very cringy line. I totally get what you're saying. I didn't think of that at the time, that, like, because it is so cringy, and Anakin seeing the the cringiness of it, right, is kind of a like, well, I mean, yeah, obviously Plo Koon believes that, mm-hmm. but it's still like gross. But then Anakin can see that he believes it, and it's gross, and it aids in his conscious uncoupling from the Jedi.
0: Right. Yeah. Speaking of
1: Plo Koon's
2: hypocrisy. Oh my gosh.
1: He and Ahsoka start off episode three of this arc, going to the underworld of Coruscant. Which is actually interesting because Ahsoka ends up there later, right in the series.
2: Spoilers,
1: um, but they they go to a bunch of bars, a bunch of seedy bars, and then like the last one, the, like the previous ones happen off screen, and then the last one they go to, Plo like gives Ahsoka a tip. He's like, "You should be more subtle, young one."
2: <laughs> yeah, and then he
1: <laughs> he walks in. And plops his lightsaber on the bar and is like, <laughs> I'm looking for information. Yeah. It's like that's not subtle at all. That's the exact <laughs> You just walked into him. like the, the bar and like flashed your badge.
0: Yeah.
2: Doesn't he end up like getting in a fight with someone too? No, she does. She does, and then he has to like back her up slash save her. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah. I mean I think he is often shown as like not one of the brightest bulbs in the the, the Jedi cabinet. Um, to mix five different metaphors in one in one sentence.
1: <laughs> He's an interesting character. Like, I like him as a mentor to Ahsoka. But I don't... He, he does not seem like an effective Jedi. I don't know.
2: Yeah, just kind of like not amazing. Definitely not like a Yoda or even a Mace Windu. He's very average as far as Jedi Masters go. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Is it, like is this intentional though? Is this part of the Jedi are out of touch thing, Matthew? Is him just walking into a bar and plopping his lightsaber and thinking <laughs> that's subtle?
0: I I don't know. You know, I, I, I with so much of this, I don't know how much I'm headcanoning and how much the writers were. You know, were they brilliant or did they accidentally stumble into plot? Um, I mm-hmm. just have no idea. Uh, I think certainly, I think we are justice is an intentional line. Um, sure. I don't. I I think they have oh, to yeah. realize what they're doing with that. The I think the "don't be sub," you know, "be subtle" thing, and then being so very unsubtle. I think that's probably intentional by the writers. But yeah, I just i I really want to read the book of like behind behind the scenes, the making of um the Clone Wars, because there are just so many fascinating questions about how this all happened and like what the debates in the writers' room would have been and, and all that stuff that I really want to yeah. know more about. So
2: so I, I, even sorry, go ahead. Well, I was
1: just thinking about it some more, and maybe. Maybe he's telling Ahsoka to be subtle and then drawing the attention to himself I so that, that Ahsoka in the background can just, like, listen in and get some info. I don't know.
2: That
0: could be it. I, I'm just, like, thinking about this Why? one scene too much. Yeah, I, the more I think of it, the more I think actually that might be it, that he's he tells her to be subtle and that he kind of wants to make it easier by being like, I will get all the attention on me.
2: Yeah, or even that, like, he's sort of talking about subtlety in a different tack than what he's doing right he's telling her basically like go connect with the force and like try and listen in on some conversation and he in his mind is maybe doing something completely different which is just like he's gonna go talk to this barkeeper and show his badge because he's a jedi and people are gonna respect him because he's the cops and that's gonna hold some swagger and he's out of touch as you mentioned Aniki. um but yeah it's <laughs> it was a very odd moment but yeah definitely not as as deliberate feeling as the i am justice line
0: yeah i think it's very true um just kind of looking over the summaries to see if there's anything else i wanted to talk about um
1: well we talked kind of around it but the middle episode was completely unnecessary oh yeah in my opinion
2: and just and i'll but i mean it did do another further deeper dive into mace windu is a total dickwad Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes, <laughs> I think that is which true. Which was, I mean,
2: something, I guess. Right? But, but, I mean, like, we set it up in the Zillow Beast episodes. We got a little bit of it in um, Death Trap, which is the first episode in this arc. So, yeah, I don't think we really needed even more Mace Windu's a Jerk. Because yeah. that's really all that episode served to deal with. He, he he,
1: and Anakin spent most of this episode trapped under, like, a sheet of metal on the derelict starship. On the yeah. crash starship he's just like
2: spouting off. Yeah, and the bounty hunters are trying to find them slash escape this. um,
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like a it's like a Titanic episode.
0: Yeah. And then the whole thing um, the whole thing strikes me as wrong especially because you know we have seen that um, Mace Windu is supposed to be a Jedi like basically on the level of Master Yoda in some ways. Um, Yoda can lift starships out of swamps. Yeah, <laughs> why can Mace Windu not move a couple of pieces of metal? Like it, 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 it's a problem you often get in a show where you create this great power and then write a plot that the great power would erase, and so you have to just sort of either ignore it or, or you know, science away or, or hand wave away for the great power to not work anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I think the hand wave is like they try, but it's too dangerous, like, and also, too much other stuff would fall. Well, and also, but then like, how do the clones save them at the end?
2: And also Yoda, when Yoda's lifting ships out of swamps, like, this is several years in the future. And Yoda goes through his own sort of, like, transformation arc where he does some stuff to amplify his powers. So I could see it as, like, even Yoda is maybe not at ship lifting levels of force use quite yet. So that's maybe why Mace can't do it either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it's so, the the title, I think, really sets the tone for this episode is weird and kind of useless. Like, R2 Come Home has almost no bearing on what actually happens in this episode.
0: Oh, I remember, so when I'm trying to plot out our um, discussions, and I look to see, like, which, what arcs there are, I, you know, I hadn't seen the show in, like, six years, so I didn't remember details. And I looked and I saw, oh, okay, there's an episode about Boba Fett. And then there's an episode about R2. Like, I forgot that this was all one arc because I saw that name. And it was like, okay, that's some weird droid episode that pops up every now and then. And Um, I
2: guess, like, why wouldn't it even be R2 go home? Because you're, like, sending him away with the information to go help. it. Yeah.
0: I I feel like it's one of those things that... Again, I'm curious what the contracts are, you know, and what are the specifications and like did did someone maybe it was Lucas or maybe it was, uh, you know, in contracts or something. But it says like Mace Windu has to appear in this many episodes because, I mean, we have two different plot arcs in which Mace Windu features prominently mm-hmm. for not necessarily a needed reason. And I feel like, you know, once or twice a season, we're supposed to have an episode that's all about arc R2 looking plucky and cute. Um, because sure. that's what kids want, I guess, or that's what their parents will want because it connects it to them. It just, it, it just seems such a like check off the boxes kind of episode.
2: But this isn't even like Arto doesn't even get to do much Yeah, in this episode. Like he's been even just as a side character in some of the other episodes, much, much pluckier and much cuter. Yeah. It's just weird. Um, I thought he
1: did a lot. He, like in the beginning part, he defends the Jedi from the bounty hunters. Sure. He like diehards them. Yeah, on the
2: ship by like setting up distractions and like yeah. blowing up different pathways. Yeah, and at first they think it's just the the ship is crumbling around and then they realize they're actually being sabotaged.
1: Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, or, hard, or maybe more like Home Alone.
2: Home Alone, or two <laughs> <definitely> Home <laughs> like, Alone. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's,
0: that's why. That's, why why <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, what it could checking have been. It out. That's what it could have been. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. I I also thought all this stuff about the Scottish admiral who wants to go down with his ship for no discernible oh, yeah. reason was also. It was just eye roly. Um, it was
2: also super weird, because, like, I get the idea of, like, being the last one off your ship. That makes sense, right? Don't leave your ship until all the all your crew are gone. Cool. But all his crew is gone. Why do you just want to die? That makes no yeah. sense.
1: Yeah. It's, it's also, like, the idea of the captain, or in this case, the admiral, like, going down with the ship is supposed to be, like, an in-combat thing. Right. Like, someone should stay on to like keep firing the last guns and make sure that the ship actually gets scuttled actually so that it doesn't get captured
0: yeah it's a scuttle thing it's the you know you should be on the last lifeboat you shouldn't go ahead of anybody else and sometimes there's sort of a sense of like it's your responsibility you know um and sometimes that's tied into like warrior culture or like you're supposed to die with honor that kind of thing but yeah the the republic aren't don't have that? Like, where does that come from? And it's from? also, like, not even it's, a it's war, gonna, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's gonna crash. Been, Your ship, been ship has been <laughs> sabotaged. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's gonna crash.
2: There's yeah. no conceivable reason for you to just die with it, and it's just yeah. taking away Republic resources <laughs> for you to do
0: so. Anyway, um, I, we do like this show, uh, and we're gonna keep liking this show as we get into later seasons. No, no, we no. Just,
1: I like, So I like the first and the third Boba episodes.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I even, like, I think just because we pick away at maybe like weird little intricacies of specific scenes doesn't mean that we don't love the show. Yeah. Right? I think being able to find some incongruities or some things that don't quite make sense maybe shows how much we do love it that we care enough to notice these
0: ridiculous minute things agreed i i, I think i think in, in going forward i want to make sure if we can at least talk somewhat about the things we like as well because i think sure uh, i i have heard from a couple a uh, couple listeners who are like why are you doing the clone wars if you all don't like it so much so um <laughs> and i think it's true and that's, that's why i talked about some of the things that i think were that there were things. i think we all talked about some some really good points in these episodes um but there's definitely some some weak writing in these things honda. In this last dark.
2: Gosh, all Hondo. I would watch on Hondo series. The Hondo spinoff. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: All Hondo all the time. Hondo and R2. Just like, okay, so
1: like, on the subject of, do we like this show? You know, we talked about season one was tough to get, get through. And then season two is an improvement on season one. But even now, like watching it again, I can recognize that it's still a step behind. Like, I think, Three, season three to five is the real meat of this series yeah. where it gets good. The plot like connects a lot more and we get some ongoing storylines and some reintroduction or introduction of characters that are very compelling.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So and, like, I also really like season seven, which I know you've done oh, yeah. um, yep. a, a, a podcast about as well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, Like especially coming back to season two. I think when watching it through the first time, it was definitely a situation where I was just so happy that it was better than season one. I didn't necessarily yeah. notice. Yeah. I didn't know that there was anything that it could be worse than, I suppose. But yeah, seasons three, four, and five. Season six is weird because, if I recall correctly, Clone Wars got cancelled kind of in the middle of it. So they sort of tacked on a weird quick conclusion that doesn't make a ton of sense
0: yeah there's not there's a lot of stuff that didn't quite work for the for the last season
2: yeah but
0: but especially mm -hmm. i think
1: season four into five we just watched constantly Mm -hmm.
0: yeah during that part i think you're right i think my memory of season two was that it was phenomenal because it was so much better than season one um and now looking back on it i still think there's some very good points i think we're now starting to get into some real depth it still has some room to grow. And I think we're talking about a lot of the bad points and these, these last five episodes, I think were not uh high points necessarily, but, but yeah, I think that there's um, overall, I think we're going to kind of talk about the season. I feel like it, 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 it makes some really good, uh, it puts some really good ideas out there. It does some interesting world building. It has some really good episodes and some pretty bad ones. Um, <laughs> the bounty hunters do not rise quite as much as we might've liked given the title, but <laughs> you know, overall in the right direction. And I think you're right. Three through five and then seven are really where this show hits its stride.
2: Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm i down with talking more about uh, the positives. I think it's like a little tougher because it's maybe less interesting conversation to just be like, I like this. The yeah. end. <laughs> i i I find it easier to talk about the things I don't like and the, th- the ways I could see improvement instead of just like, right. what's cool and what I like. But I think making a conscious effort to do yeah. that going forward is a, something I'm more than willing to do
0: i think we can make it not just like oh hey here's what we liked but more like what's the commentary involved like what are the Mm. the things that it mentions or what 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 particularly made things good and stuff like that you know because i think it's it's to me at least a big part of what i like is when the show really is doing world building you know and when Mm -hmm. it's either telling us more about the overall story or telling us more about the jedi or telling us you know helping to better inform because certainly i i walk away thinking that the clone war movies and the overall jedi story makes much more sense to me because of these movies um
2: Yeah, and I totally get what people are saying. Like, way back when we first started doing this arc of the podcast, um, I think we mentioned, like, people would always tell us, oh, it makes the prequels so much better. And I kind of get it. And I do kind of want to watch the prequels. And I feel like maybe I'm just a sucker for punishment. I know... I'm shaping my head. (laughs) I know you just uh, watched them again, Matthew, and and did a few episodes on them. But, like, it is doing that. It's getting me reengaged in what... I, what, what was the series of movies that I genuinely hated? So,
0: yeah, I wound up, um, we just recorded the hundredth episode of superhero ethics and we talked about, you know, who are some of our favorite villains. Um, and because a number of the other ones that are high, uh, are, uh, top of my list had gotten mentioned. I mentioned one who's maybe not my top two or three, but has become one of my favorite like villains where I somewhat agree with him. Um, and it's clone wars, Anakin Skywalker. Mm. Um, I hate him in the movies <laughs> and yeah. he's quite bad in some of the show, but you know, I think the show does such a more interesting job showing his like slow, def- his slow decline and fall and the, you know, you can sort of understand like, yeah, when he's surrounded by people like Plo Klune saying, we are justice and people like Mace saying, you know, this is how we should treat people. You start to understand why, he, why he thinks Palpatine might, might have a, might have a, a case. Um, yeah. You and, know.
2: like Palpatine always supporting him and, being a nice guy to him and yeah everyone else being like don't show attachment yeah no totally i completely him, agree
0: him then jumping 10 minutes later too so let's go kill children <laughs> no but that's again where the movies get in um anyway I, I think it's probably a good point to wrap up any other kind of last comments on these before we say goodnight? i'm ready for season three are,
1: are we gonna like i don't know recap the season or like favorite part of the season
2: Ooh. overall
0: yeah, I think we've been talking about the season there. But yeah, what, what what would you say your favorite part of the season was?
2: Oh my goodness. I Okay, I'm going to say Cat and Mouse, just because Trench is my fave. Um, maybe? I don't even know. I like the Mandalore arc. <sighs> R- Riki, what are you... I'm looking up the, the, the list of the episodes here. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I For me, it was definitely the Mandalore arc. Mm-hmm. I, as much as I love Hondo and Cad Bane is a very compelling adversary, Mm -hmm. I think Satine was the best character uh, that we get in this season, like outside the main characters and the way that she plays off of Obi-Wan and the the suggestions about their past and the connections that they still have now. Like it, it was just very well written and well acted. I thought by, by those, those people and, you know we we're gonna get more of that in the future, and it it sets it up very well
0: yeah i I think I'm with you, I think the Mandalore plot's probably my favorite um especially for obi wan just because I feel like um obi wan's relationship to uh Anakin and sort of him clearly knowing what's happening with Anakin and Padme but not getting involved makes to me so much more sense when you realize how close Anakin... like to me. You watch Obi-Wan with the Mandalorian Duchess and you think like, this is why he has a lot of sympathy for, for Anakin and why he maybe can't bring himself to force Anakin to do what he had to do, um, mm. totally. which is obviously like a terrible decision on Obi-Wan's case, but it makes it tragic in this like beautifully sad way. Um, mm-hmm. And I think...
2: especially Anakin's interactions, with, like, Anakin's interactions with Obi-Wan, encouraging him to like, basically like, why don't you just go and hang out with your, like this girl you like. What's the big yeah. deal? Why is this a problem? Showing how Anakin obviously doesn't see this error of attachment. Yeah.
0: I also feel like, and, and maybe I'm misremembering here, but I feel like we got very little Count Dooku this season, didn't we? Yes. Yeah, was... Probably
1: like two or three
0: episodes. Yeah, it, it just felt like a lot of the... You know, there were clones saying Roger, Roger, but a lot of the antagonists weren't clones. I'm sorry, there were droids saying Roger, Roger, but a lot of times the, the antagonists weren't droids. Um, we don't have any Ventress, which is too bad because I do find her a very fascinating character, even if they mm-hmm. take some time to figure out how to best write her. Um, but Count Dooku had always just, I, I just never liked him. He just seemed so mustache twirly, especially mm-hmm. because I wanted him to be the voice of here's why the separists might have a point and he's so clearly not um so yeah i i think that that i think the season really started to develop other storylines beyond just going deeper on the the exact things from the clone wars and that's the other thing i think i really liked about it
2: yeah that sort of villain of the week kind of take on it i think that's maybe like why i said like trench might be my favorite character of this season Mm -hmm. um because yeah i agree i i like that we see different facets of (laughs) of um, like even the separatists of other planets fighting in the uh, other planets in the galaxy who are either are or not part of the Republic. Um, Yeah. And just like what you were talking about earlier, Matthew, with that more in-depth world building.
0: Yeah. And also Trench is so cool. Yeah. Trench is pretty awesome. (laughs) Um,
2: He's also voiced by D. Bradley Baker, which is a I don't know if we mentioned that uh, last episode, but. Another cool fact. Fun trench fact.
0: Why are you looking at me?
2: I don't know, because you don't like him, because he's a spider.
0: Yeah, he's a spider. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Spider Um, prejudices. Yeah, so, uh, anything else? Any other um, um, uh, sort of high points or low points or thoughts about the season?
1: There was a little less Cad Bane than I remembered. Mm -hmm. But obviously we get more of Cad Bane, so... I think I may have just been projecting that.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, I agree. I remembered him as being more involved in the season, but I think the season just being called "Rise of the Bounty Hunters." I thought that this was the season where he was
0: right. And it's interesting because like Cad Bane, it I, I think I mentioned before that in the X Wing game, like there's a faction that's just called Scum and Villainy, um, <laughs> and I feel like here like. Because, like, Hondo isn't a bounty hunter, and neither really is Cad Bane. Like, they, they are, they're scum and villainy. Like, they're people who kind of do things for their own profit, and they break the law, and they, like, sometimes hire bounty hunters. Um, but, yeah. So, so the title, I feel like, was not quite accurate. but I, But I do feel like we got more of the – just in general, we got a lot more of, like, what's life like for people who aren't in the midst of the war? You know, whether mm-hmm. it's the people on Mandalore, or for the people who are trying to make a buck out on the fringes, or the people who are on other planets – um, it just felt like we made the world a lot denser and a lot bigger in a way. I really liked this season.
2: Yeah, for sure. Do we want to talk about low points of the, of the of the series or of the series
0: of the season? <laughs> yeah, I think we can probably mention one or two as our like closing out. Um, any particular ones that come to mind for you all?
2: Um, there was one that I was thinking of, and now I can't remember it. Uh, was it just? children of the force no lightsaber lost that was it that was probably my least favorite episode of um this series but i a season but i know like you guys didn't dislike it as much as i did
0: yeah i remember i think that was an interesting discussion that gave me a lot to think about because i definitely i i did like it quite a lot i also feel like one of the central complaints you had it you had about it was that it's a very patronizing man being very patronizing to a woman student and that Mm -hmm. you probably are going to by definition like you you're (laughs) going to be more aware of that dynamic and and how it plays out in real life than i am and and so certainly when you pointed that out that definitely gave me a lot to think about um yeah i to me there was no true like stinkers of episodes like we had in season one there's a couple that Mm -hmm. weren't that great uh a couple plot lines that i could have kind of done without um but yeah, nothing comes to mind to me as a like. Oh God, this was so bad. Yeah. Really? Just, just looking
1: at the list, we also got very little Grievous. I think mm-hmm. that's similar to Dooku. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I think that's and another plus. Grievous, yeah, is not a very interesting character, but I just, I just like him. And yeah. I like the way he's animated. Like it just makes me cackle whenever he does like the exorcist (laughs) spider walk like he's escaping
0: yeah that's always fun
2: like pulls out two extra lightsabers because why not yeah
0: yeah I mean he seems to be when they're kind of just leaning into the mustache twirling of like we're gonna be happily like you know chewing scenery and having fun with it and I can definitely appreciate (laughs) that
2: yeah he's like kicking droids out of the the uh rescue ships so that he gets (laughs) to go when they don't and yeah Exactly. Yeah. But that's, that's, yeah, villain.
1: exactly that that is like just peak ridiculous. Yeah. To to mistreat your droid army in that way. Like just doesn't really make much sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like why are you acting this way? So <laughs> that's, I need... Yeah. Yeah. Me it...
2: want cookie. Yeah.
0: I... <laughs> Sorry. Cookies. I think
2: he sounds like uh a cookie monster <laughs> whenever I... I see him.
0: You know, and I yeah, think that it's... that's a good place to end this episode. <laughs> I also
1: just like the way he says Kenobi. Yes. Ooh, Kenobi. Kenobi.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love his just personal vendetta against the Jedi because it's and when you talked about it, he's not really a droid. He's he's a cyborg. He's just much more Borg than than a uh, person anymore. Um, but he's not. He doesn't have just no emotions, and it's great. And he's just. I find him much less annoying in the show than I do in the movies, and I do find him. You know, I feel like I feel like they're starting to realize like you don't have to give us Dooku and Grievous every single episode that you can have a lot of these other stories. Um, and I realized I forgot actually looking back over the episode list. Um, Mandalore is great, but this episode, this season, had what may be my favorite uh, episode in the entire show, which is the deserter. Uh, the mm. one about the, the clone who kind of, uh, leaves and, and, you know, Rex having to, to come face to face with that thought. So, yeah,
2: that's a really good one.
0: Well, so fans, what do you think? what do you think of the, uh, these two arcs and what do you think of the season overall? Uh, what are your favorite points? What are your uh, least favorite points? Please let us know. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter, all the information's in the show notes. You can also find us on email at, uh, Star Wars Universe Podcast at Gmail Um, if you like the show, one of the best ways you can support us right now is to write a review for us. Uh, if you go to iTunes or any other podcatcher that does reviews, but iTunes is the one we know best. Uh, type in uh, "Star Wars Universe Podcast," we will come up. Write us a review. Um, five stars is great, obviously, but if you're not a great fan of the podcast, that's fine too. Just let us know what you what what either you really like or what we can do better, and it it, it helps us continue to grow the pod, uh, continue to do better. But it also helps us grow the podcast because the The more reviews we have, the more people who will see this and the more people who join the conversation. So on behalf of myself, thank you so much for uh, uh, Ricky and Sarah for being a part of this. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Kenobi. (laughs) Kenobi wants cookies. (laughs) I like it.